Luke chapter 18. Today we're going to be looking at a a short passage, verses uh, 15 through 17, and we're going to be uh, dealing with the subject. As you've seen there, the title of the sermon is, Let the Children Come to Me. Uh, But before we do so, before we get into that, we we need to to look at the story that comes just before these uh, couple of verses here. And we also need to look at the story that comes immediately after, because both of these stories help us better understand what's going on in verses 15 through 17. In verses 9 through 14, Jesus tells the story there of a Pharisee and a tax collector, and they're praying in the temple. And in that story, Jesus spoke about a man who was uh, personally very confident of his status and his deeds before God, but he left the time of prayer there, not declared right with God. Then on the other hand, you have the tax collector who recognized that he had no claim because of his status, and he had no deeds that would commend him to God. And he cries out for mercy to God, just the exact opposite of the other man. And what does Jesus say about him? He says he went down to his house justified, declared righteous, declared right with God, forgiven. Cries out to God for mercy. And Jesus says that man who cried out for mercy received the mercy of God. So Jesus has pictured one man who thinks that his status and his deeds commend him to God and gives him the right to enter God's kingdom, and one man who denied that his status and deeds gave him any right standing before God at all. And he pleads, as I said, for mercy. Jesus points to that man who pleads for mercy as the example of the proper attitude we're to have before God. The story that follows, Luke 18, 15-17, tells us about a rich young ruler who was morally upstanding, he was, he was wealthy, he was well known, and he came to Jesus with a very important question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? He thought of himself, as we read that text, and we read it before we were familiar with it, he thought of himself as a law keeper. He thought of himself as someone who had been morally upright, obedient to God's law from the earliest days of his life, and that gave him a certain status for entering the kingdom of God. And once again in this story, Jesus tells his disciples who are listening to him that it's impossible for that kind of man to enter the kingdom of God. You see how both those stories are working on the ends of the text that we are going to be looking at today. Now, in between is this story of parents bringing children to Jesus and asking Jesus to bless those children. The background of what's going on is probably the practice of Um, A lot of scholars and commentators will say it's the practice of the religious Jewish people who in Jesus' day would bring their children to the rabbi or the priest and ask him to touch them and bless them. And apparently in Jesus' ministry, this is happening to him also. Which maybe gives us an indication that there were some people who who esteemed Jesus in the same category as a priest or a rabbi. And they held him in that position and they wanted to take their children to him for a blessing, just as they would if they'd taken it to the priest or the rabbi. Now the question we may have is this. Why has Luke put that story about Jesus blessing the children and then saying the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, and only these who enter it like a child will enter it? Why does Luke put that story between those other two stories? Are you thinking that? This just doesn't seem to work with everything that's going on around it. Here's what Luke is doing. He's showing you the attitude that you have to have in order to become a follower of Jesus. By a follower of Jesus, I mean a person who hears the gospel, that Christ came and died to redeem 
sinful men and women for their sins. And you hear that gospel, you respond by repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sin and living life in obedience to that repentance and faith. This is the person who is welcome, the person who is allowed to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is just a small amount of background in order to help us better understand what we're going to look at today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer once again this morning and ask Him to help us understand as we study God's Word. Father, we thank You for the Gospel once again. We're grateful for this day where we recognize our fathers, where we dedicate parents and children to the Lord today. God, I pray now as we study Your Word, we we very much need Your help. I need Your help to lead the people of God through studying the Word of God. I pray that we all need the Spirit of God to help us today to understand. Lord, I know as we sit sometimes, our minds can be filled with all kinds of distractions and things that happened this past week and things we need to do tomorrow when the new week begins. But I pray for just... A period of time here, God, you would help us to focus upon your word this morning. God, help us to understand we've gathered for worship today, not because I'm preaching today, but because God's word is opened. Now is the time when we continue to worship even more earnestly because we get to hear the very words of God today. So help us, I pray, to do just that. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Our text today is about two things. If you, if, you're, if you heard how I introduced this, and as we read the text, it's about two things. It's about children, and it's about grace. This passage teaches us much when it comes to what Jesus thought of children. And this passage as well teaches us about the gospel of grace. So you have children being dealt with here, and you have the gospel of grace that's being dealt with here. Today I want us to learn about the need to minister to children and about how to bring children to Jesus. And I also want us to learn how it is that we can enter the kingdom of God. Uh, The main idea for the text today will be this. Children and the gospel of grace. Children and the gospel of grace. And before I go any further this morning, in your your bulletin there's a handout there, and you're going to need that when we get to a certain point. And I will tell you, look to your handout, and look along and read with me. And I'm going to explain to you, now, while I'm doing that, um, what you have in that handout is exactly word for word what's in my sermon manuscript. And there's a lot of practical application on that handout. And instead of me, when I get to this point in my sermon, you trying to, if, if you do write things down, trying to write them down after about three or four, you're like, what's the use? Uh, and I can't keep up. But you can tuck this away in your Bible and you can have it later on. Okay. Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, I'm a grandpa, or uh, my children are grown. That doesn't matter. Or I'm a young man, I've yet to get married, and I don't have children. That doesn't matter. Uh, look along with me when we get to that, and uh, I will point it out to you. Now you look to your handout. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. So, uh, children and the gospel of grace. So if you're outlining, here's what we're going to do. Verses 15 through 16, the first part of verse 16 will be this. Do not hinder the children. Do not hinder the children. We're starting with the subject here of children. It's very clear here in these verses that Jesus cares a great deal about children. And if you read real carefully, you'll notice that Jesus even cared much about what else? Infants. Look at verse 15. Luke says there, now they were bringing what? 
even infants to Him that He might touch them. They were bringing babies to Jesus. We come this morning with Kinsley dedicating, challenging her parents to raise her in a godly manner, pointing her to Jesus, bring her to Jesus. She is an infant. And Jesus here was very concerned about children. It says they were bringing to Him even babies, even infants. But notice the Something else that's very interesting there. And again, you know how I am with words. Words are very important. Words are in here for a reason. Not for us to dismiss them. But notice there, they, they were bringing. It appears this was a common thing in the ministry of Jesus. The verse doesn't say on one occasion parents brought their children to Jesus. Instead, it seems that Luke says that this was something that happened regularly in the ministry of Jesus, that parents regularly brought their children to Jesus and asked Him to touch them or bless them. They were bringing, has the idea, this is, didn't happen one time, it was something that happened often. And remember we said earlier that the tradition of the Jews was to bring their children to the rabbi or the priest and ask Him for a blessing. Now, this seems to be happening with Jesus here. But what we want to focus on is that Jesus was interested in this being done. Did you pick up on that? Jesus was very interested in this taking place. Jesus doesn't rebuke them for following their tradition. This is one of the few times I've seen in the New Testament where Jesus doesn't rebuke tradition. So what does that tell us? Some traditions are good. A lot of traditions need to be thrown out. This tradition here has to do with people what? Being what? Brought to Jesus, being brought to the gospel. Those traditions are never wrong. Those traditions that do just the opposite and push people away, or maybe don't do such a good job of bringing people to Jesus, Jesus would always push those away. But this one here, He doesn't rebuke them. Notice in verse 15, that as the parents brought their children to Jesus, notice the disciples actually try and stop this from happening. Now they were bringing even infants to Him that He might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, what they do? They rebuked them. Parents. And whoever may have been bringing the children to Jesus, the disciples stand up and they rebuke these people. Now rebuke is a pretty strong word here. Uh, it's not just sort of like, hey, you don't need to be doing that. No. Stern, don't bring these children to Jesus. Don't bring them. It may be possible that the disciples were thinking something like this. Listen, people, Jesus is extremely busy. He doesn't have time for children. And listen, he especially doesn't have time for infants. Because you know they're, they're burping and needing their diapers changed and they're spitting up. Please, don't bring those people to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to bring them. Jesus needs to focus on what's really important in his ministry. He doesn't have time for this. He needs to get to his next conference, his next speaking engagement. And you're delaying him. From get, please don't interrupt him in his ministry here. One commentator said it could be that the motive of the disciples was their exaggerated sense of self-importance. Picture yourself as the disciples. You're around Jesus. And your time with Jesus is what? Getting interrupted because people are bringing children to Jesus. And they're like, no, Jesus doesn't have time for that. But it seems like in the back of their minds, it's like, they're infringing on our time. This is We're the disciples. We follow Jesus. We get instructions from Jesus. So please don't be bothering Jesus. But notice Jesus' response in verse 16. But Jesus did what? He called them where? To Him. Saying what? Let the children come to Me. Jesus overrules these disciples. He says, oh no. 
allow. Let these children come to me. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples, but who's bringing the children? Parents. Parents. Moms and dads. And listen to me carefully. Dads. Bring those children to Jesus. This is Father's Day. And you fathers, me as your pastor, you got a rough road ahead of you. I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to call you out as dads to leave your family. You have that responsibility. You're the man in the home. As my dad used to say, you need to suck it up and get with it and carry out your responsibilities. I don't do that because I'm mean-spirited. I do that because we as men constantly need to be challenged and exhorted in our roles as dads. Notice Jesus says, do not hinder them. Jesus didn't just say, you know, don't hinder them. Do not hinder them. What is he saying? I'm not too busy. My schedule is not too full that children cannot be brought to me. The programs we have going on in the church are not more important than children being brought to Jesus. Children are very important. Do not hinder. If you're doing something to hinder children from coming to Jesus, he says, don't do that. He reinforces the command to let the children come to him. It was a command. Let. Jesus does not exclude anyone from access to him. Every person is significant. Even children and what else? Even infants. Jesus said, bring them to me. Jesus is saying to parents, and He's saying to disciples, followers of Jesus, He's saying this to us, don't hinder the children. Remove all hindrances that keep children from coming to me. Parents, get rid of those hindrances that keep children from coming to me. Church, whatever we may be doing, I'm not saying we're doing anything. You understand part of preaching is, Exhorting you not to do something, but in case you're thinking about doing it in the future, don't do it then. Whatever you or anyone else may be doing to keep these children from coming to me, you need to stop it. It's sort of in a sense they rebuke, but Jesus rebukes back. You don't hinder children from coming to me. Whatever you may be doing, stop it. Cut that out. You need to make some changes, disciples. Uh Uh-oh. Disciples, you need to change whatever may be hindering children from coming to me. It's not if you can find time in my schedule. If you can clear out some meetings down the road, you can clear out some other things down the road, then you can bring them to me. What does Jesus say? Don't hinder the children from coming to me. And at the end of verse 16, Jesus explains His reasoning for doing so. You see the word for... Or because, for to such, what? Belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus transforms this event here into a picture of discipleship. That's what's going on here. Where Jesus is going in this passage is is teaching a lesson about discipleship to who? Disciples. Because disciples were guilty of what? Hindering what? Children, even infants, from coming to Jesus. And He's teaching this to us, His disciples in the church today. Notice these children are what? They are brought, they do not what? Come on their own. Someone brought them to Jesus and someone wanted to hinder them, but Jesus says, no, we do not hinder children. Whatever we're doing to hinder them, we need to get rid of it. 
with that said, I, I want to be I want to be very careful here. I'm not suggesting that the intent of the passage is the spiritual response of these children. Nevertheless, Jesus' willingness to receive them suggests His acceptance of them and carries with it the consequences of children who do not demonstrate a spiritual response to Jesus. Jesus is interested in ministering to children. And might I add, He's interested in ministering to children here today. Jesus is interested in the souls of children. Bring those children to me. Do not hinder those precious souls from coming to me. We need to ask ourselves, parents in church, how do we bring our children to Jesus? Put that question in your mind. How do we bring our children to Jesus? How do we answer that question? Well, first, we heed the warning of Jesus. To do what? Bring the children to me. Do not hinder the children. That's the first place we start. Look at your handout. On one side there, you have where we want to begin with five ways to make your children hate church. And you're going, what? I'm going to explain that, okay? All you have is something that's not original to me. Uh, There's a pastor in Texas by the name of Thomas Weaver. And if you want to call him or write him or uh, send him an email. Maybe if you don't like what he has to say, he's in McAllen, Texas, and you can find him from there. I won't give you much more information about him. He says there's five ways to make your children hate church. And the point of these five ways is to tell you parents and church that sometimes you can do things in the normal routine of life that unintentionally cause your children... Not to get the blessing that they ought to receive when they gather with the people of God for worship on Sundays. These things we do, we don't do them intentionally, but these uh, cause your children not to receive the blessing that they should receive when they gather with the church on Sundays. Uh, These things here are said, um, they're like tongue-in-cheek instructions. Tongue-in-cheek means what? Sarcasm or... Lopsided exaggeration, okay? He's talking about hindering children here, okay? Make sure your faith is only, you can underline only, something you live out in public. And I'm just going to read this verbatim for you because I was going to give these to you, but as we read along, you'll be able to see them and you won't have to worry about taking a note. Go to church at least most of the time. Make sure you agree with what you hear the preacher say and affirm on the way home what was said, especially when it has to do with your children or kids obey. We have no problem remembering that. You heard the preacher, right? Obey your parents. But let it stop there. Don't read your Bible at home. The pastor will say everything you need to hear on Sundays. Don't engage your children in questions that have concerning Jesus and God. Live like you want to live during the week so that your kids can see that dishonesty is okay. That will cause your children to hate church. Pray only in front of people. The only times you need to pray when you have the pastor over. Or holiday meals. When someone is sick and when you want something. Besides that, don't bother. Your kids will see you pray when other people are watching. No need to do it with them in private. Number three, focus on your morals. Make sure you insist your kids be honest with you. Let them know it is the right thing for them to do. But then feel free to lie in your own life and disregard the need to tell them and others the truth. 
get very angry with your children when they say words that are naughty and bad. But post, read, watch, and say whatever you want on TV, Facebook, and Twitter. For those of you who don't know what Facebook and Twitter are, you're probably better off than those who, who do. <laughs> Make sure you focus on being a good person. Be unclear about what this means. Number four, give financially as long as it doesn't hinder your needs. Make a big deal out of giving at church. Stress to your children the value of tithing while not giving sacrificially yourself. Allow them to see you spend a ton of money on what you want while negating your command from Scripture to give sacrificially. Remember, these things children will observe and they'll begin to hate the idea of going to church. And I'll explain that here in a minute. Number five, make church community a priority. As long as there is nothing else you want to do. You're a church-going family, right? At least that's what you tell your friends and family. Make sure you attend church on Sundays as long as you don't stay up too late on Saturday night or your family isn't having a big barbecue, or the big game isn't on, or this week you just didn't feel like it, or, I mean, you are a church-going family, so what's the big deal? What is he saying? What is he saying? He's getting at religious hypocrisy, and how that can undermine the very message that we're trying to send to our children when we gather as the people of God to worship on Sundays. How we act, parents outside of church, will have an effect on our children's view of attending the worship gathering of the people of God. In other words, it hinders them from coming to Jesus. We tell our children, we're coming to church on Sundays to worship God, and here's why we're coming to worship God. But during the week, we live these things out, maybe unintentionally, and we're doing just the opposite of what we're we're supposed to be with our children. And they look at us, and they see hypocrisy, and they say, why do I need to go to church to worship God? You see how these things push children toward hating the church and hating being at church and worshiping God? Therefore, that does what? That what hinders them from coming to Jesus. Now, getting back to the question of how do I bring my children to Jesus, one way to answer that question is bring them up under the means of grace. And by that I mean that God has provided the means of grace whereby He draws sinners to Himself and He builds those redeemed sinners into the disciples. He builds them into followers of Jesus. Those who do not hate the church. There's means of grace that God has given to us. And I want to share some of those means of grace with you. Look at it again at your handout. I want to help you parents... And us as a church, not to be a hindrance to children coming to Jesus. That's my whole point of giving you this handout and reading these things. Instead, I want to point you in the direction of how you bring your children to Jesus and how you raise them to be disciples of Jesus. These things show you how to bring your children to Jesus. They're not exhaustive. This is just scratching the surface of the things you can do. For the sake of time here, as we go along, there may be a couple I skip. You have them here. And that's the biggest reason I gave them to you so you would have them later on. How to bring your children to Jesus. Make sure that you're guarding, nourishing, and focusing on your own spiritual condition. Do you make time to worship, to fellowship with other Christians, to read the Word of God and pray? Is that something that goes on in your own personal life, Christian, mom and dad, church member, that children can look... Let me tell you this. There's one thing that I'll always remember about my my daddy. He's in a nursing home now and, you know... You understand how that goes. It's just not good. But there's one thing I can remember about him that I'll, never, I'll, I'll remember all my life. My daddy was one of those kind of guys early in the morning. 
And when you come down the hallway, when you turn the corner to go in the kitchen, you knew what you were going to see. A box of cornflakes, a gallon of milk, a bowl, and a big old large print Bible because you couldn't see good. The world might be coming to an end, but my dad was going to be eating cornflakes and he was going to be reading his Bible. I knew when I turned that corner, that's what was going to be sitting there waiting on me. And you know what that did? That, that showed me the importance of reading the Bible. My daddy thought it was important to read the Bible the first thing every day. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not going to be legalistic, say you've got to read in the mornings. My daddy didn't have to read in the mornings, but I knew when I saw him, my, my daddy thinks the Word of God is important. That he starts his day with that. In between tablespoonfuls of cornflakes, he's reading his Bible. Number two, realize the importance of living out your Christian faith every day in front of your children. Make sure that Jesus is first in your life and that you seek to glorify Him in everything you do. What an example for your children to see. Demonstrate to your children that your relationship with your spouse is the most important human relationship that you have. And prove this by showing respect for your spouse and displaying sacrificial love and physical affection for him or her. Guys, moms and dads, it's extremely important that we show respect toward one another. Because you know how your children learn to respect their spouses one day and other people, they watch your lives. And how you treat your wife, how you treat your husband in conversation, I'm telling you, those of you sitting here with children, you know that your children see, they hear, and they remember everything about them. Show your child, number four, and tell your child that you love them every day. Work diligently at building a relationship with them. Take time from the earliest days to communicate with them about deep and important things. Read the Word of God with your child and pray with your child, with and for your child every day. Really? Every day? Now, things are going to happen. And it's not going to happen every day. But if you don't plan to do it every day, guess what? It may not happen no day. Don't bail your children out of consequences that arise because of their own actions and choices. It is essential for them to learn that sin has consequences. You will not always be there to rescue them and you should not enable them. Hmm. I remember telling our son one time, I'm trying to remember how old he was. He was, I don't know, maybe a teenager. He started driving or whatever. And I remember us having a conversation in the house one night. Debbie was sitting there and we were talking about, don't do these things. Because there's consequences if you do these things. And I looked at him, and I was serious as I could be. I said, I'm going to pray that whatever you do wrong, that you get caught. Man, he looked at me like, you have lost your mind. And my wife was going, no, no. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it dawned on her, yes, we want him to get caught, to understand there's consequences for our actions. Number seven, teach by example that Christ expects us to be presenting our bodies to Him as living sacrifices. The world teaches that it's all about us, breeding those who love themselves first and best, give them opportunities from the earliest years to serve others, those inside as well as outside the church. Teach them to respect others. Show them by examples that it is the soul of another person that they should value and not the person's outer shell. Oh my. What you see on the outside is not the person that we're to be concerned with. This is what's on the inside. It's the soul of that person that's more important than their physical appearance. Value people and not their appearances. 
Part of showing respect for others involves on their part modest dress, inclusion, encouragement, forgiveness, praise, and setting a godly example. Nine, impress upon your children the brevity of this earthly life. You need to put a star by this one. God compared it to a vapor. Analyze your desire to accumulate things. We must demonstrate to our children by our actions and priorities that material things will never be enough and they will never satisfy us. Help your children to understand that this earth is not our home and we should not treat it as such. That's not my personal opinion. That's in here. Demand and command respect from your children. Listen to me, parents. If they do not respect you whom they can see, how will they ever be able to respect God whom they cannot see? Do you live in such a way that you're worthy of their respect? Do you say one thing and yet do another? Even a young child can spot a hypocrite. I'm telling you, underline, a child can spot a hypocrite a mile away. Teach your children that pleasing God is their ultimate goal. To do this means sometimes being alienated from the crowd. You can't be friends with everybody. You can't be in the crowd and follow Jesus. It's going to happen. Number 12, make sure you... Your discipline is consistent and abounding in mercy. It's easier to build children than it is to repair men. These are ways for you to bring your children to Jesus. Jesus cares about the souls of children. Are you bringing them to Jesus today, parents and church? Are we bringing them to Jesus or are you hindering them? What did Jesus say? Don't hinder the children. Bring them to me. In verses 16 and 17, there's a second point that's very important. And I know it's 12, but I'm going to get this one done. This point is very important because here Jesus shows the purpose of this illustration of children. If you're outlining uh, the latter part of verse 16 through 17 is this, entering the kingdom. Entering the kingdom. Here Jesus is calling those and those only to Himself who cannot do any works to gain entrance into the kingdom. Look at what He says in this passage. Let the children come to Me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then He says, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. What does Jesus mean when He says, Be like a child if you're going to enter the kingdom. And if you're not like a child you're not going to enter the kingdom. First, we need to understand something of the culture that's going on here. When the disciples say, don't bother Jesus with these children, they're showing a common attitude of the first century. It wasn't just the disciples. That was the attitude of this time in this culture. In the first century, children had little or no social status. They were nobodies. They were not important. Children could not even begin to claim by their deeds the right to enter the kingdom of God because they were nobodies. They had no status whatsoever. Now, where does Luke put this story? In between the stories of two men who thought they were very important. The stories between the stories of two men who claimed by their deeds the right to be able to enter the kingdom of God. Here's what Jesus is telling us. These little children don't have the status nor the deeds which would give them the right to enter the kingdom of God. And for that reason, no one who claims to have the status or deeds to enter into my kingdom can ever enter into my kingdom. Only those, like the tax collector, who know that they do not have the status or deeds to enter into my kingdom can enter into my kingdom. Jesus is pointing to the receiving of these little children 
And he's telling us that they are not those who do, they are those who are done for. Jesus is telling us, you do not enter my kingdom by who you are and what you do. You enter my kingdom by who I am and what I do. And only those who enter that way ever enter my kingdom at all. Jesus shows us the children as a model for the way you enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is illustrating that the way you enter into the kingdom is by who He is and by what He has done. Not by who you are and what you have done. Do you get the picture? The two guys on the end of this story who thought their status and their deeds made them right and standing before God and Jesus says, no, that's not the case. Here's these children who are the same. You enter my kingdom. These children are an illustration. What is Jesus telling us here? He says it's a means of grace. The only thing that matters is what Jesus has done for you and not what you have done for Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Jesus died in your place that you might be forgiven of your sin against God. And He rose the third day that we might be reconciled to God. That we might be put in a right standing with God. Here's what I think Jesus is saying to us, maybe indirectly. Stop trusting in what you do and trust in Jesus and what He has done for you. You want to enter the kingdom of God? It's not what you've done, but it's what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has done what is necessary for you to enter the kingdom of God. Your response to that that Jesus has done is to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus alone for forgiveness of sin. It's by grace that we become disciples of Jesus. Our works, our status, our good deeds, what we do does not ever put us in a position to be right before God. But it's what Jesus has done for us in His death and His resurrection that brings dead men to life, that brings dead men out of darkness into the light. Nothing you and I do puts us in a right standing and right status before God, but it's all what Jesus has done for us. And we respond to that good news by, as I said, repenting of our sin, and calling out to God, asking His forgiveness And trusting in Jesus, His perfect life, His death that redeems us from our sin, His resurrection that takes us out of our sin, that turns away the wrath of God, turns God's judgment away from us. Jesus said, you want to enter my kingdom? It's through me and what I have done for you. Let's pray this morning.